Welcome to the Advisor Arena Podcast with your hosts, Jamie Malm and Josh Watson. This show is designed to share ideas and help you gain insight from some of your most successful peers. We will discuss industry news, hot topics, and challenges you may face, as well as give you some possible solutions. Thanks for joining us today. Let's get started. Welcome, everybody, to this week's episode of the Advisor Arena Podcast. I'm your host, Jamie Malm, and I've got Josh Watson. Hi, Josh. Hello. How's it going today? The Friday morning edition podcast. Yeah. I mean, what could be better? It's Friday morning. we got the weekend ahead of us. We had a snow day yesterday, but no actual snow. So that was interesting. <laughs> that, yeah. You got lucky. We got a lot of snow, actually. So um, You guys did. Ours was actually a legit snow day. But and we had another one today, believe it or not. So I heard that. So for those of you listening, um, thinking, why the heck are we in different places? I am about two hours or so away from Josh in about the middle of Kansas. And Josh is actually there in Topeka. So we had a snow day. Kids were so excited. Not a not anything, not a flake of snow, I don't think, on the ground. So what are you going to do? Right. Swinging a miss kids, on that one. The kids got they, a freebie. Yeah, the kids won. <laughs> they did. They did. Okay, so what we're talking about today is building relationships, specifically how we build relationships with clients, which I think is so important because we don't have anything. We don't have any success in business or really anything in life, if we want to get really specific, um, without having relationships and authentic relationships with people. So I think this would be a good one. I agree. And it's, um, you know, it's one of those things where you've got customers, somebody that's done a piece of business with you. But I think the key is getting them to the next step, which is actually becoming a client um, and then hopefully an advocate after that. So um, good topic today. I could be wrong about this, but don't you feel like over the years, the emphasis from advisors has really changed from being transactional type agents to really being part of people's lives and families and being involved with their clients. And I, I mean, I, I don't think I'm, I don't think I'm narrowly zeroing in on just a few advisors. I think that's pretty widespread and it's been pretty cool to see the evolution of what that's looked like. I would agree with you. I think uh, you look at the best agents that, that Gradient works with, and they're all very good at relationships. They're always uh, doing things with clients. Um, they're real personal with um, how they, they um, I guess, uh, uh, build that relationship. And so uh, it's been really cool to see. Yeah. And I think probably if we had to pinpoint it, it's likely because we used to be so focused on selling something, selling a life insurance policy or selling an annuity. And once you made the transaction, you just moved on to the next thing. Well, we've obviously um, really gone to more of a comprehensive financial planning model, which means the communication becomes extremely important. So that's what we're going to drill down on today. Um, really clear transparent and frequent communication. I think let's zero in on three things. So clear communication. This is something I know I'm guilty of because I wear two different hats, right? So I talk to advisors all day and I use industry lingo. I use acronyms and abbreviations and it's just a quick way. It's just how I'm used to speaking. And then when I switch and I'm the advisor and I'm talking to clients, I have to really stop myself and think, don't use that same type of speech. Don't use that industry lingo 
because that's going right over somebody's head. You know, consumers, boomers, seniors. I start talking about PIA and WPA and GPO and ACAT and all these things that we use in the industry all the time. They don't have any idea what I'm talking about. And that's, sure. that's a kind of a hard habit to break. Uh, I'm sure it is. And it's one of those things where, you, you know, you're explaining something to them that's already pretty complex because they just don't know what they don't know. And so you start throwing in acronyms, that's going to make it even more complex. So you're exactly right. You want to try to avoid the, the acronyms. Take your time, be slow uh, and methodical with it. And I think uh, that really helps, you know, people wrap their head around what you're trying to trying to help them with. Funny story. So for those of you that know Brian Lucius, he is our CMO and he is also licensed. I think he's ran maybe a handful of appointments, which he would tell you, like just very, very few. Um, and he he was talking to another advisor at one of our events and said, I don't I don't envy what you have, how you have to explain things. I don't think I could do it. And I said, oh yes, you could do it. And he said, no, I, I really, <laughs> I really struggled with this. I, uh, he goes actually on one appointment that I ran, I was trying to just explain to somebody a crediting method. And I said, okay, we'll take the S and P for example, you, you're familiar with the S and P. Nope. He goes, so I stopped there and I went, okay, let me try to explain the S and P. He goes, by the time I got around to trying to explain like a monthly point-to-point crediting strategy, eyes are glazed over. They have no idea what I'm talking about. So it definitely, you know, to the advisors out there that know how to communicate that effectively, awesome. And you may be thinking, oh, this is so basic. This doesn't apply to me. But I bet if those of you that are listening, really pay attention for the next couple of weeks and see if you can catch yourself using industry lingo or maybe going too fast. The worst is when, the prospect of the client doesn't stop you and say, I don't know what you mean. When they just let you keep talking, then you've lost them. They're not going to make any decisions. They're not, the communication there has lost everything because you've sprinkled in little bits and stuff that made them go completely off track and not, not really hear the heart of your message. I agree. I mean, it's like one of those things where, um, you know, you say annuity and, and, People start to glaze over, they get concerned. So I think just even being able to explain a simple concept like that, how it works, why it's beneficial, uh, it, like I said, it'll go a long way uh, with getting getting more clients as opposed to customers. So I'm just going to share, maybe you have some others too, but I'm going to share some things that I see happen or that I have been guilty of. Here's one that I've had happen probably on I would say two or three of my most recent appointments, which really surprised me, but we were talking about RMDs that are coming due. And as I said, RMD, I had a couple of different clients stop and say, hold on, what's that? And I thought, oh, okay, you're not used to hearing RMD. I didn't realize, you know, it just wasn't something that I had stopped long enough to think about. And probably there were a lot of others. We had already talked about, hey, on your qualified funds, you're going to have distributions that you have to take out. They knew that. You know, they they knew the concept. They said, okay. And then later in the appointment, I said, oh yeah, and by the way, those RMDs, and they're like, wait, what, what, what's that? Good reminder. But there's all kinds of things that we do. Even an FIA or a MIGA, you know, you talk about things like that. That's our industry lingo. People are like, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, M&E charges, a LIBOR, GMWB. Um, I'm trying to think of basis points even. You know, they're like basis points. They start thinking about basis points and like, what does that actually mean to me? 
what, 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 I can't do the math on that. And they've missed the next things that you've said. So clear, concise, no lingo. Don't try to sound like an expert at the expense of being an effective communicator. And I would say right. just try to watch those things the next couple weeks. See if you can pinpoint maybe a few things that you say that you don't realize it. Great. Yep, exactly. And I think even, yeah, like you said, just avoid the acronyms, be clear, be concise, and uh, it helps. It helps a lot. Okay, let's talk transparency. We talk about transparency a lot with like documents and the work that we did behind the scenes, the proposals, the reports, the analysis. We talk about using tools and technology like GenVault to be very transparent in what you put together. But transparency is a big one with communication, right? So I just read something the other day and it, it was actually from a client's perspective, just in any business saying, don't try to sugarcoat it. Don't try to gloss over as good news, bad news. I just want to know what it is. Just tell me what I need to know. That's what builds trust. Knowing you're going to tell me what's going on. Exactly. Exactly. You tell them how it is, um, things that you can help them with, things that they need help with. So don't sugarcoat any of that. I think it's also important, too, when you talk about transparency, to be transparent from the very beginning when you talk about what your process is. So here's like the new generation retirement planning process. Here's our five steps. Here's what you can expect in step one, step two, step three, step four, step five. So just lays the groundwork uh, to keep that, that, that customer continuing to move forward and down the, down the path to actually doing business with you. That's a really good point that out outlining your process and telling people what to expect along the way that absolutely builds trust and it creates a comfort level with, okay, I'm not going to be surprised. You're not going to pounce on me with a big, you know, closing attempt or try to convince me to do something I'm not ready to do. I know right from the beginning, this is what your process is. This is what's going to happen every step of the way that puts me at ease. Now it makes me able to really engage with you and listen to you and lets us communicate effectively because that wall has come down a little bit. So that transparency is a big one. It is. It, uh, yeah, you're exactly right. They know what to expect. If you think about it, when, when you lose somebody, if it was me and I'm a consumer and I'm like, hey, it's the second appointment. Oh my gosh, he's going to try and sell me something. You know, I don't want to go back in there. I'm not going to be able to leave. Well, if you lay out your process, they know, oh, well, that's not what we're doing. This is actually a planning appointment. You know, so it just helps, uh, I think, ease their mind about what to expect and and um, just makes them, like you said, more comfortable and, and they trust you more. Yep, I think um, this was a common a, a common theme at the roundtable event that we were at recently where I had an opportunity to kind of pop around to tables and hear other advisors sharing what they do. and one of the things that they said is they're outlining their process. They say, I'm not going to chase you. I'm going to put a plan together. I'm going to outline your options. I'm going to give you the info you need to make a decision. It's then up to you on how you want to move forward, but I'm not going to chase you. I'm not going to try to convince you. I'm not going to push you in anything. My job is to show you the options and that kind of transparency, that kind of authentic communication so powerful. They said that just totally, that one little tweak to how they position that just totally changed the, the, the feeling between 
the, the client advisor relationship. So I really like that. Yes. And you know, there's certain things when you're putting together a plan um, that I don't know, maybe you don't want a client to know. It's always best just to lay all that out so they understand the plan completely, uh, the products completely. And again, uh, it's just one more thing to help build trust. Let's um, talk from a compliance standpoint for a second. Not necessarily that you don't want them to know, but things that aren't as attractive as other features. There's going to be things that aren't selling points, but they are what they are. Sales 101 is don't wait for them to say, wait a minute, how does that work? Bring that up on the front end. Be transparent. If you think that it's something they may object to, you be the one to bring it up and put it up front first so you can kind of control how that comes about. The worst thing is they feel like you hid something and they would never have known about it unless they would have thought to ask you. And then because you got put you know, kind of backed into a corner, you're like, oh, well, yeah, okay, well, this is how that works. No, no, no. You build trust, you are transparent, you put all that stuff up on the front end and things go much better. Not just with that communication, but sets the groundwork for communication and the relationship moving forward. Exactly. And that's what I mean. So a, a good example would be, in my opinion, would be like surrender charges. Yep. Um, that's a good example of something. It's not really a sales point. Um, but it's something you need to explain to them. They need to understand. So, and the first thing that somebody is going to say that tries to talk them out of that is, do you know how illiquid that is? Do you know the kind of penalties they're going to hit you with? If they don't, they're like, Oh gosh, no, they didn't really, we didn't talk about that that much. No, if Mm -hmm. you lead with the trade-off for this is that it is not a liquid asset. Here's how you can access it. Here's how you can't access it then they can, then they know. Then when somebody says, hey, did you know this? Yeah, I did. We talked about that a lot. So always best to be transparent. The good, the bad, the ugly, just tell them what it is. They will trust you for it. Okay, the next is the frequency of communication. This is something that's been a hot topic because it's come up in Million Dollar Mind so much. But every, every advisor, I think, has their own way of doing this. They'll say, oh, well, I send my monthly newsletters or I send my you know, my drip emails or what have you. So I think in in the minds of most of our advisors, they probably feel like I'm a pretty frequent communicator. But that automation is different than actual authentic personal engagement, right? I agree. Yeah, it's so much more than just a client appreciation event. And uh, yeah, sending out a quarterly newsletter or a monthly newsletter. It's a lot more than that. And those things are important. We want to make, we want to automate some of it. You know, we want to have a monthly newsletter that goes out. You should have some drip email campaigns that are going out. You should have some of those things automated. But if that's what you're relying on for the ongoing communication and building relationships with your clients, you're not ever going to get to the point where you have that, you know, real kind of client interaction that you want, where they become advocates, where they're a referral source, where you know, you're not worried, oh gosh, if something happens, are they, you know, are, are they talking to so-and-so? You're engaged with them. You're part of their lives. You're letting them see part of your life. All of that's really important. I agree. I agree that you have to have ongoing events and things that you're doing with your existing clients uh, as part of that relationship process. And at the time, it may not seem like, well, you know, I'm not, I'm not making any money on this or whatever. You know what I mean? You don't necessarily have something to sell 
uh, to them, but the relationship, it comes back and pays you back 10 times over because now they trust you. They like, um, you know, being part of, of your company and now they're an advocate and a client. So I think that's really important. Yep. couple of examples of this. Um, we have advisors that do, you know, every Friday night, which is excessive, I get, but every Friday night they pick a client and they take them out to dinner. Um, we have some that do like a monthly luncheon where they invite a small group in. Maybe the last time I spoke to a couple of advisors that were doing this, they tried to keep it to, you know, between six and eight um, and just did a luncheon. There are a lot of advisors that pick a client, uh, a group of clients, maybe they're a clients and they find a, you know, an opportunity to take them to dinner each quarter. So those are things that those clients really, I mean, they really look forward to. That's something, that's a relationship that they don't have with somebody else that they value. And that's what creates that, just that stickiness, that feeling of, I want to be an advocate for you. If anything ever comes up about, an opportunity to refer you, you know, they're going to be shouting your name from the rooftops. That's how you get there. Exactly. Yep. That's exactly what I mean by that. You just, uh, you got to consistently and make a conscious effort to continue to engage. So let's talk about, that's the kind of the authentic side and the personal side. The frequency though is also important. We can't go, you know, seven, eight months and then try to cram all of our our communication into, oh, shoot, I forgot to call them. Let me buy them to dinner. Let me get my client event out. Let me, you know, call them and see how they're go how they're doing. We've got to be really intentional and we've got to be consistent with this. So one of the things that we've put together is a client communication guide that has some of these tips in here. So as we're going through these things, those of you that are listening, if you want any of, if you want an outline of this for any of these tips, let us know. We'll send it over to you. Um, but I think one of the biggest mistakes is people feel like they're over communicating and they're not. When you get to a point where you think, I think I've probably communicated quite a bit, they probably miss 70% of what you sent. So over communicate what you think you should. And then when you think you've done enough over communicate more because people are missing probably the majority of what you're reaching out with. Sure. Well, and you look at Million Dollar Minds. Uh, we we mentioned that earlier. You know, Rami, he's he's touching his clients 36 times a year. Uh, that's how many times he touches, you know, some type of personal touch there. So um, you can't overdo it. I'm not saying that's feasible for everybody, but gives you an idea of somebody that's really good at what they do, how much effort they're putting into it. One of the things too that I think is really important about that frequency is a, a big chunk of it should happen right away. You know, that buyer's remorse that can kick in as soon as they've signed the papers. The mistake that I see a lot of advisors think is, okay, we've had the closing appointment. I've gotten them to move forward. We've got everything in place. Oh, I'm going to relax a little bit now. And then maybe in a couple months, we'll revisit. I'll invite them to something. Over communicating right at the beginning of the relationship is so important. You don't want them feeling like, uh, he or she just kind of disappeared on me. And what did I just buy? And do I really know them? Over communicate every step of the process, where we're at in the transfer, what's going to happen next, when they're when you're going to call them next, what's going to happen when they come in to review that policy. I mean, everything that you can possibly be proactive on, you want to be proactive on, especially when we're in times like this, where markets are volatile and 
they are being bombarded on the news by everything that's bad in the economy and inflation and everything costs a lot. And where am I going to put my money? The markets are all down. No better time to be proactive with clients than right then. And it may just be listening. You may not have to call them and, you know, spew your own information about why that should be okay. Just call and listen, ask them how they're feeling. That can go a long way. And I think it's really at the beginning too, um, when you're when you're doing the transfer process and all of that. If you think about it, a lot of our advisors they have staff uh, that that can handle that for you, and so um, it also ties that client into your into your office even more because now they don't only know you, but they they also know your staff, and now they've developed a relationship with your staff. So I think um, that also can help can help tie them in more. Now, hey, I've got a whole team that I talk to over at, you know, ABC Financial. Uh, I feel great, you know, doing business there. So I think that's uh, that's another part of it too. That's a really good reminder on the staff. You, you really accomplish multiple things there. One, like you said, people feel really comfortable and confident then in all of these team members, but two, you don't want to be the only one they feel like they can come to for everything that they need. You will get yourself bogged down really quick if that's the case. And it's much easier to set the tone for, you know, the other team members that can support them and are there for them and can answer questions or, you know, little things like that um, than trying to correct it later. And, you know, oh, let me introduce you to so-and-so and they're actually going to help you. That's that's a hard thing to reverse later. Sure. So really good. Agreed. Point. And, you know, in, in a lot of cases, whoever's responsible for, for handling that's probably a lot better at it than, than you or I or the advisor. So that's why they have that position. So put your best foot forward from day one. Yeah, really good point. Okay, let's talk about some other things that are in this client guide. So we talk a lot about the um, camera and the you know, the need to not just do that one time and then move on, but it is something that should be evaluated. And Comra, for those of you that aren't already with Gradient, that's our color money risk analysis. Mm -hmm. Um, Those of you that don't use that specifically, you probably all have something similar, but you should be re-evaluating not just your client's risk tolerance, but any other events that have happened in their life. Has something happened that has changed their goals, their objectives, their timeline, or how they feel about money and risk and loss. And we recommend that's something that you revisit annually to make sure that you're having those conversations. Agreed, just make it part of your process, especially now. I mean, you've seen the market, it's been up so much for so long. Uh, Really important to revisit the risk tolerance just for that. And then also, yeah, it's just, again, it's uh, showing your clients that you care, gives them, gives you a reason to get them back into the office. So. I agree. It's one it's one you have to do every single year. Yep. And and the feedback from clients is they're not worried. Is somebody paying attention to what's going on? Should I did I need to call you about this or should I be revisiting how we're allocated? The you know, the feeling then that clients have is I don't have to worry about that. That's what I pay you for. And I know you're thinking about it because you're communicating with me nonstop. You're listening to my concerns every year I'm in your office and we're re-evaluating, re-establishing our plan, reiterating why that plan works. So that's the kind of just ongoing, consistent, frequent communication that we're talking about. Yes. So 
Comra, first part of the appointment process gets you into that. Also, first part of your, your client review process helps, helps get that appointment set as well. Okay, so just as a recap, clear. We don't want to be so focused on going fast or using our lingo or trying to sound like experts that we you know, miss the whole intent of the communication, which is to relay our message effectively. Second is that transparency. Let's make sure they feel like we're somebody they can trust. No matter what it is, you know I'm going to tell you the way it really is. And then third, that frequent personal communication. If um, any of you that are listening want this guide, we do have the client communication guide that we will provide to you. As always, go to theadvisorarena.com. You can contact us there or you can email us at theadvisorarena at gradientib.com and we'll send it out to you. So thank you, everybody. Hope it was helpful. And Josh, I'll see you next week. See you next week.